and welcome to the Pastor Mike Drop Live podcast. I'm your host, Mike Householder, and we, Emily, we have some incredibly special guests today. Yes, we do. We have pastors and doctors with yeah. us today. Yeah. They're both. <laughs> in there, different things. There are some, there are very few pastors who are doctors. There are very few doctors who are pastors. Yeah. These two are both. Yes. We have Caroline Binky Becker. Hi, Caroline. Hi there, Emily. And Richard Webb. Hi. Hi, Richard. How's it going, guys? Very great. good. All right. So we've been doing the whole Holy Bible in a year, reading through uh, the Old Testament, New Testament readings. We're going cover to cover, uh, Genesis to Malachi in the Old Testament, Matthew to Revelation in the New. And we are zooming in uh, on the chapters that we've been reading this week here at Lutheran Church of Hope. Uh, we'll start with New Testament. I don't know that we'll have time to dive too deep into the Old Testament, although the Old Testament readings, I mean, this is the heart of the story, isn't oh, it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're reading about the Exodus, we're reading about the, the whole development of Moses, and the nice thing is you get to back up and read the whole thing instead of saying, well, here's just a text. You're really reading the whole central story of the entire Old Testament, and that will, you know, certainly play into our conversation about the New Testament today, too. And we'll get to that as we go, but we got some questions. Sure do. Yeah, Here we let's, go. let's get right to it. All right. Okay, so, uh, hey. Why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Okay, jumping right in. First question is, what does Peter learn and what can we learn about Jesus' identity in Matthew 16, 13 through 28? Richard, start oh, us out. Wow. Well, I think I was having a conversation actually with someone at a wedding reception over things like this. And one of the of things... course you were first of all. <laughs> Let, let's just have a little. Let's just have a little more clarity on that. You were at a wedding reception for our intern pastor, yes, we were. Anna and David. Uh -huh. uh, they just got mm -hmm. married, um, mm -hmm. and a lot of us were there to celebrate. Uh, but you know, when somebody who's been to seminary gets married, pastors get invited uh, more than they might. Seminary profs <laughs> and seminary profs, and so your conversation was with a seminary prof from Anna Seminary. All um, right, so. And he was specializing in the Gospels. And one of the things we learned, especially about this episode, is when Peter says Messiah, he hasn't a clue what he means. Um, right. And he's got all these stereotypes in his head from that time. And, and the same thing with the phrase, son of the living God. He, he's sort of saying, in his head, this is the guy who's going to come and rescue us from this mess. That's probably as much as Peter knows. And, and, and so what happens is, is Jesus says, yes, good marks. We'll give you a gold star for that one. Yeah. And then Jesus starts un unpacking it. And he says, well, what it means, at least to me, and well, what Jesus thinks, of course, counts because he is the Messiah, mm. is that he's going to be you know, betrayed and suffer and be crucified. And then Peter goes, he's horrified. He says, are you kidding? You can't do that. And he begins to chew Jesus out. Now, you got to get the irony of this is it's sort of like me chewing my boss out, you know, and, and telling her how to run her job. You know, well, this is what Peter's doing. And of course, Jesus knows exactly how to do his job. And, and, and Peter needs, the irony is Peter has no clue. So basically, uh, Jesus chews him out and even calls him the enemy, and, but uses the word that's normally assigned to the devil and says, because you're thinking from a human point of view and not from God's point of view. Yes. Mm. And... and, and if I were to summarize, what's God's point of view? Well, God runs his shop, if you think of all of creation, from the power of love. And in that culture, everybody thinks the way you get things done is through the love of power. Hmm. And, and, and so Jesus needs to flip it on his head 
and say, dude, the power of love gets you a long way further. So that'd be mm-hmm. kind of a summary of the whole business. Mm-hmm. So when you say human point of view, get a little closer to the mic and sure. then tell yeah. us what is what is a what is Peter's human point of view on who Jesus is? The human point of view, his perspective is the Messiah is going to come and miraculously kick out the Romans, kick out all the Pharisees, all the corrupt Jews, kick out the Sadducees who corrupted the temple, kick out uh, the king, you know, just all the people who are put, making life miserable for right. them. And it's going to be probably military, and there's going to be some bloodshed, and mm-hmm. and and at the end, there's going to be freedom for God's people. Um, and the end thing makes sense, but on the way through is where the mess is, because what we learn from history is whenever you have a bloody revolution to free people, usually those freed people then find someone else to oppress, and then you get another bloody revolution, and we go round and round the merry-go-round. And Jesus has got a way of doing revolution that's completely different and interrupts the cycle. But I don't even think we in in the 21st century can can get our imagination around what he's up to, because even our Mm -hmm. own lives... They don't work that way to our experience. You know, the way we make changes is we have a bigger club than the bully does. I'm so glad you said that. Mm-hmm. There's a mystery to what Jesus... There's a revelation of what Jesus does. He tells us, here's, here's what I'm doing. Here's where I'm going. He, he tells his followers three times in our mm-hmm. reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, he makes this prediction. This is where I'm headed. It's not maybe what you expected. Mm-hmm. It's definitely mm-hmm. not what you mm-hmm. expected yeah. if you're looking at it from that human point of oh, view you yeah. just described. But as, as Jesus moves... There's, there's what we can see and what mm-hmm. we know and what we're familiar with and that's accurate. Yeah. But I'm glad you said there's also a mystery to yeah. it, isn't yeah. it? there? There's a deeper part of this. Mm-hmm. Caroline, what did, you, what did you pull out of this part of the reading? What's interesting to me about this is that you can have knowledge without understanding. Yeah. Nice. And so mm-hmm. much of what Jesus is dealing with, whether it's the Pharisees and the Sadducees, whether it's his own disciples, whether it's the crowds, people think they, under, think they have knowledge but they really don't understand the deeper, uh, deeper what's happening deeper. What Jesus is really about, and so much, so they, <laughs> like most of us, spend a lot of their life confused. Mm-hmm. And that still plays today, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. In, in, in Christian circles, it's why it's so important that we get into the Word, and but don't just read it. It's one thing to read it and say, "Well, here's what I think it means." Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it means something, actually. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. finding out what that is, it's so important to have a community yeah. mm-hmm. to, to parse that out and discern that together and say, well, that might be what you think it means, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that's what it means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You say, well, that's what it means for me, yeah, but that's not what it was written to mean. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if we care at all about truth, we're going to want to find that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We, we tend to think that the Bible was written for 21st century Westerners. Mm-hmm. Right. It, was, it was not originally. It was not yes. originally <laughs> meant for that. But and, and to, we have to enter into this world. We have to enter into their worldview. We have to enter into their understanding of community and individuals mm-hmm. and, yes. and what it meant to be God's people. Yeah. Um, and then from that, mm-hmm. then you make the you connect the dots from what they understood, mm-hmm. what the author was meaning, what the what the the audience accepted, and then ask yourself, where are you in the story? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think the temple priests, the teachers of religious law, you know, we talked about this last week, the tension that's growing, we'll continue to feel that and sense that as we continue reading through Matthew's gospel, through the other gospels too, that the more Jesus moves faithfully, the more the religious establishment resists yeah. and, and pushes back. And the more Jesus just isn't going to be swayed by that. He's mm-hmm. going to con- He has a mission. He's going to the cross. 
And he's starting to reveal that to his closest followers, his disciples. That's what's so fascinating to me, just from a literary perspective, just like in the narrative. Mm-hmm. What's so fascinating to me is just the way that's unveiled. And Matthew really pours into more than any of the other Gospels. Even though Peter doesn't know what it really means to be Messiah, and that's clear mm-hmm. from the text, still Jesus gives him kudos for, you're right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am the Messiah. You don't yeah. know what it means yet. You will. And, and through and Peter's going to go through all sorts of peaks and valleys, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's going to be high highs and low mm-hmm. lows for Peter the rest of this ride. But he's going to learn from it. And you know, we're, we're asking the question, what did Peter learn? Mm-hmm. What, what did he learn from this, uh, this conversation with Jesus? I think he learned a lot because the next two times Jesus predicts his death, Peter didn't say anything. <laughs> he, doesn't, he, he doesn't be like, well, that's not what we had in mind. The next time Jesus, the next two times Jesus says, we're going to the cross, we're going to Jerusalem. Peter's like, yeah, I, I learned that last time. I, I, I got that right. Because just as, as complimentary as Jesus was, Peter, mm-hmm. blessed are you, you know, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood's not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I say to you, I'm giving you a new name. I'm, you know, you're going to be the rock upon which I build my church. The gates of hell won't prevent. That's Man, if Jesus says that to you, that's a good day. <laughs> and then you just totally mess it up. <laughs> because he goes on to say, you're right, I'm the Messiah. Now let me tell you what that is, what that means. It means I'm here to die. And, I, and I'm here to take your sin to the cross, among other things. But oh. I'm here to do some things you don't want me to do because you're looking for King David. And I'm not. I'm better than. <laughs> I'm greater than. Uh, I'm not that kind of Messiah. Hmm. What's so funny is that the other disciples are watching Peter get rebuked. Yes. Mm. And what do James and John do then the next time Jesus predicts that he's going to go to the cross? They're going to argue about who's the greatest. (laughs) So just because you're in a small group doesn't mean everybody's listening. No, No, or that everybody's totally getting it. One of the great things about reading the text, actually reading it so that we can learn it and live it out, Mm -hmm. is we get to see the disciples trip over themselves and make mistakes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of grace for us as we do this Christian thing, as we follow Jesus, to know that even when we make mistakes, Jesus isn't going to kick us out of the club. He, he rebukes Peter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He rebukes him pretty hard. Yeah. calls him Satan. <laughs> get behind that's me, Satan. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty, pretty strong language. But at the same time, he doesn't kick him out for it. He's like, yeah. so... It's as so often goes in our world today. Since you said the wrong thing, mm-hmm. since you're canceled, you're mm-hmm. I'm offended. You're done. You're out. Mm-hmm. There's grace. There's mercy. Don't think it'd be the worst thing for our world to get back in step with that rhythm mm-hmm. of some grace and mercy, mm-hmm. which because we're going to lead to that question a little bit later too. Mm-hmm. One thing I'd like to add is this is not new. I mean. Jesus is redefining what the God of Israel is, who, who the God of Israel is. Yeah. He's not innovating, because if you go back to Genesis 1 and 2, Genesis 1 has male and female created in the image of God to rule and subdue in the image of God. And, um, th- and so that's a question that's raised. What does that mean? Well, a lot of people have an idea. It means bash the environment into you know, submission, bash people into submission. That's how we rule. Mm-hmm. But then Genesis 2 tells us how. And there's three verbs. Uh, this, we get a little nerdy, but what the heck, right? The first verb of humanity is told to serve the land. Yeah. And that, that, that word means the same thing as to serve God and worship God. So it's a big word. The next one is to, we have to use two phrases 
to explain this one word, to watch over and care for. Yes. That's shamar. And then the third one is to help, and this is a uniquely God word. So to rule in God's image is to serve, watch over, care for, and help. And then Jesus embodies that. But by the time we hit the first century, we are so far away from understanding ruling in God's image from the way God intended all along. Mm. And that's why we give Peter slack, because does he have that in any of his personal experience? Nope. Do we? Nope. So, again, there's where that grace comes from, Mm -hmm. is, you know, it's not like, well, why didn't you get it in Genesis 1? Well, it's not the air we breathe anymore. So in light of those three Hebrew words from Genesis 1 and mm-hmm. 2, listen to M- Matthew 16, 24. Jesus mm-hmm. says to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, mm-hmm. take up your cross, and follow me. Yeah. So following Jesus doesn't just mean getting things right and, and, and doing self-righteous moral plays. On, on, that's, that's really religion going off the rails. Um, sh- certainly morality matters to God. I'm yeah. not suggesting yeah. that. But the key, right from the beginning of creation, and Jesus the Messiah is coming here to say, you're here to serve. Mm-hmm. We're, we're here to, we're all, if we're going to follow Jesus, we better get used to the whole wrap the towel over your arm, get down on a knee, humble yourself. First will be last, yep, last yep. will be first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, our next question uh, is, what dots does Matthew connect for us between the Old and New Testament in his account of Jesus' transfiguration? In Matthew 17. Caroline. Oh, this is so (laughs) fun. Matthew is a wonderful gospel, in fact, because what Matthew is doing is he's recapping the history of Israel. Matthew was probably written towards um, the Jews, so they they knew the story. Matthew's trying to remind them that the story comes forward, the story continues. So, in the Transfiguration, Jesus is taking his disciples up up the mountain just like Moses went up the mountain at Sinai. At Sinai, God gave the Ten Commandments or the covenant at Sinai. That covenant created a new people. It's a new community centered at that time in the Old Testament around God's law, around God's covenant. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. what Jesus is doing is he's taking his disciples up the mountain to form a new community, but not around the law anymore but around Jesus, around a new way of being, about a, un, around a new way of, of relating to God in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And so this transfiguration is, is just, it's, it's Mount Sinai and Moses all over again. And so mm-hmm. when Moses and Elijah show up, it's no surprise. Oftentimes people Moses uh, say that Moses represents the law and Elijah the prophets. Absolutely no question about that. But what two Old Testament figures actually saw God? Mm, Moses and Elijah. Mm. And no surprise when that happens, the, uh, there's a voice from heaven because God is breaking into the world, just mm-hmm. like he did at mm-hmm. Sinai. Remember, the mountain was covered with thunder and lightning, and nobody wanted to get close to it. Now, Jesus has has people close to him. It's, it's as though we get to come closer, even with the thunder and lightning around yeah. And then with the the um, dazzling light, that actually refers back to Daniel, mm-hmm. when the Holy One, the Ancient One, God, um, shines into David. So all of a sudden, we're seeing Jesus, who is human, fully God, because he's being called beloved, reforming a community with his closest disciples, mm-hmm. with people who get to see God's face 
and a new community is being formed. Mm-hmm. So it is just, it's just all of a sudden, this is almost the high point mm-hmm. because all of a sudden God is tabernacling. God is coming to live among his people in a way that we can relate to. So of course, Peter, oh, yep. God love him, says, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Let's build some tents and worship here. And Jesus is like, oh man, didn't get it again. But you know, nice thought. <laughs> but I, you know, effort. You, exactly. Yeah, as, yeah. You're, as you're saying that, Caroline, I, I'm back to verse one. It says, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John. So just the chapter before, you know, why doesn't Peter say anything the next time Jesus says he's going to the, the cross? <laughs> Well, uh, because not just because of what Jesus said to him in chapter 16, mm-hmm. but turn the page, listeners, you know, in, into 17. Now he's got a front row seat for something he can't wrap his head around. Mm-hmm. And so he, j- I, in my mind, you know, there is no voice uh, in, inflections here. Mm-hmm. We, we don't get tone in scripture. That's one of my favorite professors always used to say that. But let me read a little in here anyway. In my mind, I can't help but think Peter's just stammering around. Uh, <laughs> this is a little bigger than what I can take in right now. Mm-hmm. And that's how it is for us reading scripture sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is just, we're reading about the creator of the universe mm-hmm. who becomes human. Yeah, yeah. And not only that, mm-hmm. He does so for the sake of our salvation, for the sake of yeah. our new life, for the sake of of, of turning this world right side up because he loves us so much. Wow. So Peter's there, and if he didn't get it when mm-hmm. Jesus said it, now he's going to get it like, okay, this isn't King David. <laughs> this is this, this dude I'm following, this rabbi from Nazareth, mm-hmm. this, this carpenter's kid, mm-hmm. is a way bigger deal than any of us ever thought probably when we first signed up. Oh, man. I mean, you know, and it's interesting. Way back at the beginning, we get a hyperlink where um, it says, you should call him Emmanuel and God yes. with us. Well, here's what the hyperlink is. Bam. I was reading in, 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 a, in a Bible commentary, and it's interesting. Matthew's also using the transfiguration to push us forward. I'm just going to read a little bit of this because I just think this quote is so cool. So the commentator says, here's Jesus on a mountain revealed in glory. Then he's on the hills outside of Jerusalem, revealed in shame. Here his clothes are, are shining white. There they're stripped off, and the, sh- and the soldiers are gambling for them. Here he's flanked by Moses and Elijah. There he's flanked by two violent thugs. Here it's a bright cloud overshadowing the scene. There darkness. Here Peter blurts out how wonderful it is. There he's hiding in shame after denying he even knows Jesus. And then finally, here a voice of God declares that this is the wonderful son. And there it's a pagan soldier who declares in, su- in surprise, this really is God's son. And, and so it's, it's, it's interesting that you have two revelations, two hills, and Matthew wants to see you to see that the transfigured one is fully revealed in a place you would not even expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the mountaintop you would think, transfiguration, you could end the movie there. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that's like the big finish, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, if it was a Star Wars series, it would be the end of one of them. And then they go to the next episode and move on. Yeah, yeah. But hill to hill, like you just mm-hmm. said, Richard, and connecting the dots, yeah, which is yeah. what we're calling our sermon series for, for, the, for this month on the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah. Between Old Covenant, New Covenant, yeah. Old Testament, New Testament, mm-hmm. Jesus goes from this hill where the world would say, winner, victory, mm-hmm. he goes to the next hill, which you just juxtaposed so well in, in that commentary, and yet that's where the victory's won. What did, what did we just say at the end of the last question? Jesus came 
Jesus says, you're here to serve. Mm-hmm. Well, he's here to serve, too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's not going to stay on the Mount of Transfiguration where mm-hmm. he's glorified, where the glory of heaven breaks in. This mm-hmm. isn't the first and only time that happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, his baptism, Matthew hits that right away. Mm-hmm. And we're, I just think it's so beautiful that we're reading the Moses story in the Old Testament while we're reading the Transfiguration in the New Testament, and here comes Moses yeah. showing up again. And mm-hmm. Elijah has already showed up because John the, uh, Matthew yeah. says, mm-hmm. if he quotes Jesus saying, if your ears are willing to get this, Elijah's already been here. Yeah. He was the guy out by the Jordan River mm-hmm. uh, baptizing. That's John. And, and, and Matthew makes that point. Mm-hmm. Where are the other Gospels? We'll get to that in a few months. Yeah. You know? But here we have... Elijah and Moses, who've already shown up mm-hmm. in other places in big ways, and now here they are again. So when Jesus gets glorified, when heaven mm-hmm. breaks through, mm-hmm. of course, the old covenant needs to be there, representation. Mm-hmm. But like you said, Caroline, it's more than that, too. Mm-hmm. It is God moving for them and through them, because Moses and Elijah need mm-hmm. a Savior as much as we do, oh, yeah. uh, as much as Peter does. Oh, huge. And this is something we can't get uh, because we're in English. But if I'm a Jew and I'm, I'm either reading this or I am Peter, Moses, Elijah, Joshua, mm-hmm. that's, that's Jesus' name. Yeah. There's yeah. Joshua who's going to take us right into the promised land. Ooh. And what's interesting is every time in Matthew's gospel that, that God's voice speaks from heaven at Jesus' baptism here at the Transfiguration, what happens immediately after? Jesus is led out into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. What happens immediately after coming down from the mountain Transfiguration? Jesus confronts a demon mm-hmm. um, in a little boy. So so don't don't think that the, the uh, mountaintops are going to be um, mm-hmm. isolated. Mm-hmm. The mountaintops live within this world that desperately needs healing. Mm-hmm. And you, you just... Mm-hmm. I don't think Matthew did that uh, without thinking it through. Amen. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. That for, from the mountaintop into the deepest, darkest valley, the shadow of death, to, to places where demons dwell, to, to, to the darkness of death, to all those things, he's here to serve. And when we follow him, we will too. And, and we'll yeah. pick up on that. We'll follow mm-hmm. our leader. He says, come and follow me. Mm-hmm. Well, following Jesus means do what he does. Come down the mountain, mm-hmm. go into the darkest places to bring the light, not to embrace it, not to say, oh, we're so, we're so hip as, as Jesus followers that we hang out in the darkness. Look at us, which sometimes seems to happen, I think, <laughs> uh, amongst followers of Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're here to bring the light. We're here yeah. um, because we love the people who yeah. are in the darkness because yeah. they're by the grace of God, go we. And, well, we all are in the darkness of one form or another. We need that light. Yeah. You, th- you think about the, the crucifixion, that's, all, that's almost where the Sinai comes and dwells in the desert. And, and, and so here's Jesus on a cross, which has overtones of a throne. Mm-hmm. It's a weird, weird throne. And then you have him on a hill, which turns out to be the darkest valley, because this is where humanity's killing him. Wearing a crown. Mm-hmm. Of thorns. Yep. And, and, and so, Caroline, I think your point's like super reinforced is, if you want to find where Sinai really is, you got to go where people are hurting, and there's the king. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know? Jesus is full of surprises. Yeah. If we aren't getting surprised while we read this, we're missing the point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's no doubt about it. 
We need to keep moving. Yes. I want to add one of the most random things that stood out to me was when Jesus comes down and has the demon-possessed boy. Jesus says, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here and then heals him. I'm like, that is relatable. Is, it, is that relatable as a mom or well, as somebody who has to work with read me? Read into it however yeah, you okay. want. Just, uh, all, right. all along the way, Jesus is just so patient and continues to teach and they continue to not get it, but... That was fun. Excellent point, Emily. Uh, next question. Why does Jesus emphasize our need to forgive those who do us wrong? This comes from Matthew 18, and this is a this is a passage of Scripture that some Christians quote a lot. A lot of, a lot of others just <laughs> blow right past it because they don't want anything to do with it. It's just one of those places that I think all of our listeners are going to be able to relate to. It's so counter to culture yeah. because conflict's going to happen offensiveness is, is going to happen. Things are going to come up. So it starts in verse 15, uh, just to refresh our listeners' memories. Jesus says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses that you have won that person back. Let's just stop there for a sec. That's so counter to our culture. Hmm. If, if, I mean, let's be honest. If we had to write the way most Americans handle offensiveness, or when somebody offends me, my temptation and everything I've been taught by this world is if, if somebody sins against me, go tell all my friends. Mm. The last person I'll tell is the person who offended me. Mm. The last person uh, I'll, I'll go to with this is that is so off of the way we were created to live, but so on with not only what happens, but what gets embraced and championed. Mm. Uh, what, what are you catching out of this? And, and then it raises the whole theme because Jesus is going to use this to start talking about forgiveness, and you must forgive seven times 70, and yeah. uh, not just seven times, a complete cycle. So uh, where would you want to jump in there? What this is all about is restoring relationships. Amen. And, and to restore a relationship with another person, you have to talk to that person. Yes. And to go to, to, to get on Facebook, to get on social media, to talk to everybody else who's, who is around them, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the jury on your side. Yep long before the person even knows they've been accused of anything. Yep. And so we're, we're, we jump the gun. Why do we do that? Well, I think it's because we're afraid. Oh. We're afraid that somebody, the relationship has been damaged, and we're afraid that we aren't going to be able to put it back together because we're not exactly sure how that person is going to accept us coming and saying, hey, this relationship is important enough. There's something wrong. Let's deal with it. And I think it's a lot of fear mm-hmm. that we're afraid that somebody's going to actually... Um, blow us off and say, actually, the relationship that you thought was great, not so much. Right. Yeah. The, 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 the lack of grace in our relationships is killing so many of... Mm. It doesn't just kill the relationship, it kills us. Yeah. It, it, we, we get praised for this power play that we make in, in saying, uh, what you've done is unforgivable, I can't let it go. I'm not trying to minimize it either. I mean, we've all been offended. We're all old enough to to be able to think immediately of things that people have done to us that are completely wrong, completely unjust, way off the way off to the side of what would be the righteous thing to do. But Jesus says he, he's relentless on the forgiveness thing. Mm-hmm. It's at the heart of the Lord's Prayer, yeah. which we read about in the Sermon on the Mount, it, and he even comments on it there. Paul's going to pick up on that and talk about how important love without forgiveness. I mean, think of Romans 12. Think, think, think of Ephesians, really the whole Ephesians. It, yeah, yeah. it, it all leads Colossians 3. It, it, love isn't just, okay, this sort of 
disconnected love from real world, difficult, conflicted relationships. It's love that takes faith and puts it into action and says, I'm going to forgive you, even though every sinful human nature cell of my body doesn't want to. Mm -hmm. And it gets reinforced by so many voices in this world that tell me I don't have to. In fact, it'd be better if I didn't. But it isn't. It it, it crushes us. It hurts us. Mm -hmm. The power of forgiveness. My daughter is... um, an occupational therapist, but she majored in psychology. It was one of her majors in college. And she, her professor in this uh, ethics class was, was doing a research project on forgiveness. And my daughter and some others got to get in on it. It's not just a biblical spiritual concept. Science has proven yeah. what forgiveness does to us mm-hmm. physically, like, like for our own physical health. Mm-hmm. Spiritual, yes, of course. That's yeah. the core of it all. Mm-hmm. But you're you're a physical doctor. I mean, you it's, see this kind of that forgiveness is huge for our health. Absolutely. If you've been if you've been hurt by somebody, if you've been abused by somebody, that is going to manifest itself in everything that you, in in your body. Every single organ is affected by it. And so and so just to to let that go, to let the, to to not let the past control you anymore help makes me, a huge difference. Help our listeners define what is biblical forgiveness and what isn't it. Be, because this is where people can trip up. Like, I have to forgive somebody who abused me. What? Mm. How, how? First, how, you know, what is that? What is it not? And how do I do it? Well, it's not forgive and forget because you can't forget. I mean, that that's 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 not in the Bible. Silly. That's not in the Bible. Forgiveness means saying that I refuse to take revenge or I refuse to hold my relationship with you hostage because of something that you did. Instead, it's I. It hurts. It continues to hurt. But I'm going to let God into this relationship so that through him and through his leading, I can restore the relationship. I may not trust you, and that's okay, but I choose to restore that relationship in a way that's healthy for both of us. Mm. Right. It doesn't mean in an abuse situation that you're in that relationship in the same way. Yeah. A healthy way to to Mm -hmm. forgive in an abusive situation Mm -hmm. is to actually say, I no longer allow you to have that power over me, and to do that, then I need to step away from from this relationship. That's well so said. Yeah. Yeah. I was, was thinking about it, and so I just wrote this. Forgiveness sets us free from the pain caused by our wounds and the wounders who caused them and increases the possibility that those who wound us will be set free so that they will stop doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And and this is what the Bible means by justice. And again, I, it's so important to talk about it, you know, setting healthy boundaries. Often, mm-hmm. is it, it's crucial for us, but it also might maximize the possibility for them. You oh, know. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, absolutely. The other thing is verse thirty-five, and I want to start out by saying I'm not going to try to interpret this because it usually ends badly when people do. Yeah, it's a tough one. Read it. Yeah, it's this is how my heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive a brother or sister from your heart. And it's the end of a parable. And, and again, I'm not going to try to explain it because everybody gets in trouble. There's torture involved. You get thrown into prison. It's, yeah, it's, it's it doesn't end well. And, yeah. and Jesus is saying, if you don't forgive, that's kind of where you're going to end up. Yeah. And here's what I was thinking about, that why would Jesus let loose with such an absolutely extreme statement? It is extreme. And, and, and I thought, okay, if we're going to see that God himself is forgiveness embodied. And, and, and that is one way that God is love. 
and, and I was thinking, okay, and we're created to be like God. So regardless of the details, when we hold our pain and don't release it, there's this profound dissonance between the being of God and the distortion that occurs because we are, mm-hmm. that part of God, we are deciding, I'm not going to be that way. And, and, and again, so in other words, I, I become less and less human the more I get bitter. I think, I think it needs to be said, too, just piggybacking on what you both just said. This, this again, is going to point us to the cross, which yeah. is why Jesus has to go. Yep, yep. He can't listen to Peter saying, hey, let's be King David and take over mm-hmm. Rome yeah. you know, or, 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 and, and the temple. Yeah. He can't give in to what the world wants him to do, and that's particularly at the heart of what it means mm-hmm. to follow Christ when it comes to grace and forgiveness. What does Jesus offer on the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing are his exact words. But it's not just what he says. It's what he's doing. He's dying a death that he doesn't deserve to die for people who deserve to die (laughs) for us. Mm -hmm. And he's doing the ultimate. It's not just the ultimate sacrifice. It's the ultimate act of mercy and and grace. It's it's an outpouring of something that's totally undeserved, freely given, and absolutely needed. We would not be a Lutheran Church of Hope. That's our name as a church. There'd be no hope if Jesus doesn't just say, you have to forgive, and I'm going to be relentless about mm-hmm. it. That you just, I'm not going to give you any wiggle room on this. You have to be able to let it go for all the reasons we've talked about. But he doesn't just tell us to do it. He shows us. He, he, and he doesn't just show us like, you know, here's a metaphor, an example. I'll get down on my knees and, and wash some feet. He dies. <laughs> he goes to a cross. He takes nails. He takes a crown of thorns. He, he, he dies this excruciatingly painful death. And so when he says you must forgive 70 times 7, mm-hmm. that's an Old Testament connection too, isn't yeah. it? I Absolutely. mean, the Old Testament talks about 7 as a complete cycle. Or, or, mm-hmm. or, or, or So that's, that should be enough. Mm-hmm. If I forgive somebody who's offended me 7 times, wash my hands, they're, they're done for now. It's... It's, you know, hit, hit them on the other cheek if they hit my cheek. Mm-hmm. But Jesus isn't having it. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. This is hard. It's, it, it's easy for us theologically mm-hmm. to line up, put this in categories. I will confess, it is hard to live out. Because every cell of my sinful nature wants to do what the world does when it comes to forgiveness which is don't do it <laughs> you know no grace no mercy let let's it's like the guy from the karate kid the bad guy who has the dojo right yeah. uh, no mercy strike fast strike for i don't know it, it, he's mean he's yeah. the bad guy <laughs> well, it, it, it's what, what i and this is just to meditate on again there's no answers here but um when i look at the cross and i look at forgiveness it's sort of like forgiveness is like god's ultimate weapon in total warfare Yes. Which then tells you, okay, if the the way God wins is by forgiving, then I I I like okay, it's like I got to have my whole world flipped upside down, and I don't even have the mental furniture to make sense of that because the way we win is by overpowering, which hardly has anything to do with forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And it works really well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How's that working for yeah. humanity? So I know there's going to be somebody out there like, please help me understand why is Jesus saying 70 times 7? Can you do the math for us on that, you guys? What, what, why does he take it from 7 to 70 times 7? What, what's the quick answer on that? I think he's shorthand for infinity. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we're doing the math. Yeah. 70 <laughs> times 7 isn't 490. 
Because no. somebody could no. get to that yeah. and mm-hmm. say, well, I'm forgiven 480, <laughs> 488, 489, 490, done. That's it. Yeah. Now I can nuke you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Seven is a number of completeness. So is 10. Yeah. So complete, complete, complete yeah. is infinity, especially in Hebrew. Remember, they don't have the, the um, uh, um, they don't do good, better, best. Yeah. It's holy, holy, holy means the holiest. For our IT listeners, it's an infinite loop. It's right? an infinite it, it just, loop. It just I continues through. All right. We got one more. It's a good well, one. We've got two more. Well, we'll do one and we'll see how much time we have. Yeah, it's a good one. We could spend a lot of time on this one, but in the time we have, what does it mean to lead like Jesus? Richard, you have an earned doctorate uh, from Bethel Seminary in, uh, what is it exactly? Uh, leadership <laughs> development. That's right. So what, is it, what dun, does it dun, dun, mean dun. to lead like Jesus, doctor, who studied this at length and in depth? Oh, man. <laughs> you sum that up in one podcast question, right? Um, Dissertation will be I'll just now. quote some scripture. I think that's the best place to go. It is. You know, he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. He's being so kind because so do the rulers of Judeans as well. Um, and I just got to say this. Caesar called himself son of God, mm-hmm. Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. And his rule was referred to as the peace of Rome, which worked as long as you were in charge. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jesus is referencing that. He says, not so with you. Instead, who wants to be great among you must be your servant. Okay, this is like so crazy offensive because the word servant is mild. It, would, it is in the original Greek is slave. Hmm. And the last thing a Jew wants to do is gladly appropriate the term slave to themselves. Hmm. Um, that's what the Exodus was about. So we don't have to be. Right. And he's saying, no, no, go back and be a slave because that's where greatness is found. And then he, and again, he says, for whoever wants to be first must be your slave. There it is again. Have we just offended everybody within earshot? And then he says, just as the Son of Man, and this is crazy because the image of the phrase Son of Man is this big power figure who comes in the clouds of the throne of Yahweh, the God of Israel, sits at his right hand, which is another power symbol, and then judges the nations where all the nations fall down and worship and serve him. And everybody's saying, yeah, you go do that. You know, and instead he says, no, this is how I'm going to do all that. I'm going to serve. And then, and here's where every circuit fries and give himself as a ransom for many. So leadership is how do I help you flourish? Nice. Mm. And in practical, I'll just put it in real practical, give you some tools. You want to go lead someone, ask lots of questions. Mm -hmm. In other words, I don't know how to serve you unless you tell me. And if I walk and go, oh, I know how to serve you. No, no, that's not leadership. That's my agenda. Mm -hmm. You know, and and, 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 but, and that goes even deeper. So as senior pastor of the church, the first thing you've got to do is ask God, right. what do you want to do with your church? Right. So profound leaderships, you know, there's all the equipping. We can go get our doctorate and all that. That's good stuff. I, hey, I forked over good money for it. Better be. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, we've got to sit back and say, how can I be helpful? Mm-hmm. There's this, this this saying I learned when I was being trained in leadership. It's so silly, but it's 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 crazy. Help is not help if it's not perceived as helpful. Mm-hmm. Just seems to me like at the heart of all this is that word humility again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that those Jesus will say those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Mm-hmm. It, it just quick anecdotes. There are three people that immediately come to mind. There are so many others. I mean. You're, you're an accomplished theologian. You're an accomplished Bible teacher, physician. There are so many people in our church family who are accomplished in a lot of different ways. I mean, who have done extraordinary things 
in their vocation in, in, in the world. Um, I remember there's there was a uh, a gentleman who started coming to our church. This is way back, Caroline, when you and I were here uh, early on, just a few hundred of us. And this guy and his his wife and their two little kids were sitting across the table from me, and at a potluck that we were doing. Yeah. And we were talking, and I got to, I just, you know, we hit it off. It was, it was like, wow, this, this is a really wonderful family. We had fun. We were joking around, talking, and getting serious, and all, talking about everything and nothing. It was like I said to my wife on the way home, I said, "Man, that, what a, what a great family. What a, what a great couple. I'm so glad we got to sit by him. Uh, talked to him several more times over the next three or four years. Had no idea that he was the CEO of one of the largest companies in the nation." in the area of business and the marketplace where, where he worked and served because he just that humility mm-hmm. uh, quickly. Cause I said, there are three, uh, there's, there's a woman who's at very high levels of government. You know, I was a government city, uh, very high levels of government. You wouldn't know it. I knew her before I knew she was that person uh, who a lot of people follow and want to get into positions. It's, you know, grant that my sons could sit at your right and your left hand when you come into power. And I know a lot of people play that game. They say, well, we got to play that game. It's, it's what you got to do. It's who you know. I hope, I hope it's Jesus you know, yeah. you know, at the core, because he's the one who's going to tell you you're here to serve. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're here to go back to humble yourself. And then there's an athlete uh, who was a professional athlete and did all these things. I had no idea he was this person. And then somebody told me, you know who that is? You know, one of the ushers came up to me when he was coming into church one day. I said, I have no idea. That's, this guy was in the NFL. This guy was, he's just incredible. He's like Hall of Fame at Iowa State and all that. Wouldn't, wouldn't have never known it because they don't lead with that. Mm-hmm. Because I think people who have really surrendered their lives to Christ, sure, they're going to take their vocation seriously. I'm not saying that. And, and they're going to pour into it. And it matters. It absolutely matters. The world needs Christ-centered everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Athletes, government leaders, uh, business people, wh- wh- whatever it is you do, th- the world needs much, much more of that. But to do that with humility, I think, is what Jesus is getting at. To say, top of my list, I'm a child of God. Mm-hmm. Top of my list, I'm a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Top of my list, that's how... You know, we talked about Jesus' identity earlier. As we identify him, we identify ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because if we're going to follow him, we're going to say, okay, the highest I can really climb in this world is to get as low as I possibly can to serve others. Um, To be the, you know, you said I'm the lead pastor, senior pastor, that means chief servant, really. I mean, I try to remind myself of that. Uh, There's leadership things we have to do. We have to organize. We have to lead. We have to direct. We have to, yes, yes, yes. Jesus did that too. He said, this is where we're going. He wasn't like, where do you guys want to go now? You know, he's like, this is what we're going to do. He had a vision. question asking. But there's got to be humility along the way. You have to be teachable. You have to recognize yeah. that you don't have, you don't know it all. Mm-hmm. That's a good word. Um, yeah. And yeah. and once you feel like you know it all, <laughs> you and everybody around you is in trouble. You know, we were we've been poking Peter a little bit here, so let's just briefly say, Peter is learning. He is teachable. To use your word, Caroline, that you just really uh, nicely brought up there. I think that's a good summary word for a lot of the movement we're seeing in Peter's development. It's the story arc, right, of, uh, and the narrative of, of, the, of Matthew's gospel that we're seeing Peter grow. And you know, by the time we get to Acts, Peter's going to lead. Yeah, uh, he's he's going to be leading the charge. 
in a really faithful way. And, and, and he's going to take everything he's learning here. Because now, you know, he learned, say this, don't say that, uh, on Jesus' identity in 16. In Matthew 17, he sees this transfiguration. In Matthew 20, he hears Jesus say, hey, you know, James and John, that's not what it's all about. It will not be so amongst you. Mm-hmm. You will be servants. I think the other thing we see in Peter is, you know, he, he hits a crisis, spoiler alert, uh, when he's revealed to be all about himself at the end. Yeah. He's a coward. Yeah. But then you go to the book of Acts, another spoiler alert, um, where he courageously pioneers the ministry to the Gentiles. He does. You know, so something. So it's important that we we allow him. We we look at his whole journey, as you said. Mm-hmm. Peter reminds me of that of that just down to earth blue collar fisherman in yeah. his case. Yeah. Yeah. But we have people like that in our churches. You know, wherever you tune in from, there's yeah. people that might be you uh, who are just passionate about mm-hmm. whatever it is they do. Yeah. Um, maybe extroverted to the nines and. And uh, pour everything they have into everything, but learn along the way. And it's so inspiring to see that. We have people in our church family I've seen. It's one of the nice things about being a pastor in a church for a generation. You get to see people grow. Uh, you, you get to see people meet Jesus and not just meet him, but apply his teaching to their daily life. And that, uh, I say it too much, but it is a total game changer. It's transformational. This, this Christianity thing, it's transformational. I mean, it's, it's radical stuff. It is not just, hey, we're doing a religion thing. It's a soul-inspiring, um, transformational experience. Yeah. And I, I just desperately want everybody to have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that'll lead us into our closer, which is the deeper dive. Uh, which all of it's been a pretty deep dive, doctors, yeah. uh, as, as usual in conversations with you guys, which is why they're so rich. And we'll have you back on soon. Uh, wh- what would you say to our podcast listeners? I'm guessing about right now two-thirds are like, or half are like clicking. They're, they're mm-hmm. downloading the audio podcasts. They're getting the daily readings. They're reading them on their own, on their apps, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're just cruising and they're loving it and they're posting about it. I see it all over the place. They're talking to me in the grocery store about it. I was on an airplane coming home to celebrate our granddaughter's birthday yesterday, and people are talking to me about it on the airplane. Had a guy um, who's on our staff at Hope Waukee. He's a minister there, youth minister. And he said the chaplains, he's taking CP, the chaplains down at the hospital are noticing that a lot of their patients who don't even go to Hope are doing the whole Holy Bible readings. And it's just been, you know, transformational. Uh, so half maybe are there, the other half are in a whole bunch of different places from, ah, I bailed. Oh no, I feel so bad. Uh, to I'm trying to catch up. I hope I can catch up. What should I do? Your Bible teachers, mm-hmm. what would you say to your students about, mm-hmm. about what we're doing here? I, first of all, something I highly recommend is the audio version that, that's, that's mm-hmm. on our website and also our app. Uh, it's what I'm using. So first of all, I, I'm, you know, and it's slowing me down. Dr. Webb endorsed. Yes, it's Dr. Yes. Webb endorsed. Yeah. It's slowing me down. It's helping me notice stuff I hadn't even seen before. The simple act of listening is probably one of the deepest dives I've taken. So mm. folks, forget all the other stuff. Just, and, and the other cool thing is, if, if, if reading is hard for you, you just sit back, 
you know, have a glass of tea and listen. The other, and, and, and Pastor Carolyn, you can speak to this, is all the resources that we've got, you know, just that classes, et cetera. Yes. Oh, that's the fun part. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. Yeah. If you've fallen behind, so be it. Exactly. Jump yeah. in today. Mm-hmm. Didn't we just mm-hmm. talk about grace in this yeah, podcast? Absolutely. For, yeah. Have some grace for yourself. Because yeah. I cannot tell you how many times I've read that, how many times I've taught it. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I start, even if it's mm-hmm. something that, that I just grab a, a, a couple of verses, there's something new. Mm-hmm. Um, so just read whatever it is for today. Mm-hmm. Um, start there and then know that 50% of the people are with you as well, yeah. so you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we've got so many opportunities from the devotions that we have every day, for the readings, for the, the New Testament on the weekends and the sermons. On Wednesday nights, we are doing, uh, we're looking at the Old Testament specifically and helping kind of unpack and make that a lot more um, manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a whole bunch of opportunities. Plus, you can get into groups and start talking to people because. If you try to read the Bible in isolation, yeah. you're going to mm-hmm. run into problems. Yeah. Yeah. And so the more people you can surround Good. yourself with yep. in a small group, and mm-hmm. a small group is nice because there's enough people that you can have a conversation yes. and get going, but mm-hmm. you still can actually participate. Mm-hmm. Yes. So lots of opportunities. Yep. We've got Alpha, we've got Hope groups, we've got women's groups, we've got men's groups, we've got youth groups, we've got yeah. all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Places where people can connect and and not just read it, but learn it so you can live it. Thanks, you guys. Um, You know, you talked about listening to the Bible. Romans 10 says faith comes by hearing. Mm -hmm. It it comes by hearing the word. I would just throw this last thought in is uh, if you've fallen behind and you can catch up, do it so that that you don't miss any of the good scenes that you're going to miss and any good stories. But if you've fallen behind and don't feel like you can catch up, just start again today. Uh, read today's readings and get back on the horse and let's start riding again. Yeah. It's so, so worth it. Don't just do it alone, though. Keep tuning into the podcast. Keep 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 uh, looking for the Bible studies, the groups, the connecting mm-hmm. points, uh, the weekend services, uh, the messages on weekends, the theme of every service is directed at what we're reading here at Hope uh, as we read the whole Holy Bible together in a year. This is exciting. It's fun. Oh, yeah. We're seeing fruit, man. Yeah. And it, yeah. It's getting produced fast. You know, yeah. it, 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 people are like lit up, just like, wow, this is, turns out reading the Bible is really good for the soul. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. So thank you, uh, faithful uh, podcast tuners, inners. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you at worship this weekend. And uh, keep digging in. Keep reading it. Keep uh, keep learning it and keep living it out. And we'll we'll see you again same time next week. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform, and we'll see you next time.